0: Thankful that you're here. We're going to start off Sunday nights like we normally do with our prayer requests. Obviously, we want to be praying for Trent Sainer and his whole family uh, as they still are, you know, grieving with all with the passing of Marty. So lift them up. I know that you will. We want to remember Pauline Duval in prayer and be lifting her up. Uh, and then also on Tuesday morning, Dan Grindstaff will be having a knee surgery at Lancaster General. So let's be remembering uh... dan and uh... he's uh... so always working hard let's remember dan we're we're looking forward to getting him back in here so don't forget that all right also i want you to remember these announcements discovery club tuesday night youth group tuesday night Love and logic tuesday night if you got any questions you can ask me about it we got all the info lots of stuff going on on tuesday night uh... Don't forget, grab a bulletin. Fellowship Day at the campground is on Saturday, uh, September the 23rd. Young Adults is on September 23rd at 7. Dollar Dog Night, September the 24th. Lots and lots of uh, stuff going on, so don't forget about that. The Fall Festival uh, and Trunk or Treat. Uh, Don't forget to sign up to help out with that. Young people, if you want to go to High Point, which I encourage you, To please do, make sure you get that stuff to Becky Beamer or myself so that we've got that. Uh, Make sure you get a bulletin. Lots and lots going on, things for you to do here at the church. All right. At this time, we'll have our ushers come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. And uh, we'll take those up right now. All right. Sure. Okay. Let, so let's remember Wayne Dishman, and uh, he's from up in the West Grove area, went to church with Lisa. So he's struggling with circulation to his legs, blood clots, just a lot of complications and surgeries. So let's be praying for Wayne Dishman. All right. Kurt, would you ask a blessing on the offering?
1: to my soul. All right, choir, come on up. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me. Oh, somebody's hand as the car
2: comes down.
0: And turn with me in your Bible to the book of Zechariah, book of Zechariah, chapter number seven, moving right through the book of Zechariah. It's been good to uh, be there and keep going through. We've finished with the visions of Zechariah. We recapped those last time I preached out of the book of Zechariah. Uh, we recapped those, how those kind of present the gospel to us. They keep talking about Jesus They they did that over and over, but also it gave us a good insight on salvation. They're meant to encourage the church, or excuse me, the nation of Israel uh, as they do the work there. And uh, what an encouragement it was, but also it starts to reveal who Christ is. They see that, and uh, we see it now looking back. Now we're going to jump into chapter number 7. And as we look at chapter number 7, the, the scene's going to shift just a little bit. Uh, not really shift, but we're going we're gonna to get some prophecies, we're going to get some dialogue, we're going to get some things that are happening there uh, in Jerusalem, and, uh, but they are very important. So if you found Zechariah chapter number 7, stand with me. We'll read those verses that are there, 14 verses. And then we'll ask the Lord to help us and bring the message that's God laid on our heart. So it says there in verse number one, And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Darius that the word of the Lord came to Zechariah in the fourth day of the ninth month, even in Cheslu. And when they had sent unto the house of God Schertzer and Regimelech and their men to pray before the Lord and to speak unto the high priests which were in the house of the Lord of hosts and to the prophets, saying... Should I weep in the fifth month, month, separating myself as I have done these so many years? Then came the word of the Lord of hosts unto me, saying, Speak unto all the people of the land, and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those seventy years, did ye at all fast unto me, even to me? And when ye did eat and when ye did drink, did ye... Did not ye eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Should ye not hear the words which the Lord hath cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity and the cities thereof round about her, when men inhabited the south and the plain? And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, And show mercy and compassions every man to his brother. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to hearken, and pulled away the shoulder, and stopped their ears, that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law, and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit By the former prophets, therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it is come to pass that as he cried, and they would not hear, so they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among the nations, whom they know not. Thus the land was desolate after them, that no man passed through nor returned, for they laid the pleasant land desolate. Let's pray, dear Heavenly Father. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house one more time tonight. Dear Lord, I pray that you would help us. Dear Lord, we want to be careful to open up the Word of God and rightly divide it tonight. We want to share something that's needful and helpful as our people walk through uh, this world, as we witness, as we minister, uh, as we uh, are trying to walk closer to you. Dear Lord, I do believe that we have some strong... uh, uh, urgings and strong warnings in these passages of Scripture about the the uh, the fearfulness and just the the ease that it is to have a hard heart, a heart of stone, a heart that that can appear to be religious but not following God and not care about the things that you care about. And dear God, even though we're often reminded of it, dear Lord, help us to. Let the word of God sink in. Let us be real with who we are and what's going on. And say, dear God, if you talk about it this much, then boy, it must be important. So ask ourselves with a true heart. Are we, uh, are we cold? Are we indifferent? Are we serving God or are we serving a man-made religion? So help us tonight, dear God, in just a few moments that we take in your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. So, as we've gone through these visions and we see all this stuff has happened, now we see some more, uh, I don't want to say realistic, but we see some more, as I would say, dialogue or just, you know, letting us know what was taking place there in Jerusalem. And so here we have a group that comes back to Jerusalem. We understood and we've seen throughout this passage that groups were coming uh, and arriving. You know, month by month, and at different times, there would be groups that would leave Babylon and decide to come back to the land. And here we have another group, but they kind of have a mission. They kind of have a goal in mind as they do that. As they come back, we see that, and we saw their names there, the house of God, Shertzer and Regimelech and their men to pray before the Lord. And it says they've got a question that they want to ask the priests they want to ask the prophets. They said, is it still necessary for us to, to mourn and to weep? In other words, what they were saying is, is, we've held a fast and we've had a time of weeping and mourning for the destruction of Jerusalem ever since we left for 70 years. And you make mentions of that later. We've had this feast, but now that the people are coming back, is it still necessary for us to have this fast and to do these things to the Lord? Now, as we see and as we move into verse number four and as we move through through there, Zechariah has some things that he says to them, some response that he gives to them. And so tonight, I don't need to go through the responses. They're easy to, easy to see. And so it's going to be very simple tonight. We're going to look at the fast and... We're going to look at how this fast was done and not, a, not great detail, really not great detail, just some in, interesting or whatever you want to talk about them. We're going to make the application right as we move through it because it's not hard to understand what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. And so we're going to look at those and say, Lord, what are we doing? How can these things make a difference in our life? You're going to know. And notice that as we go through them, it is not a topic that is unusual, uh, very deep, something that you haven't heard. You've heard this a lot. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament, you're gonna see this idea brought to us several times about fasting and praying and sacrificing unto God. Basically, when we talk about religious ritual and how God looks upon that, the necessity of it and all those things. I'm not going to belabor those points. We're going to get right into it. My first point tonight is to speak of the fast and to think of the practice of the fast. The fast and the practice of the fast. We notice here that this is a fast that they instituted because of a broken heart over what had happened in Israel and specifically in Jerusalem. Now I want you to notice that and I want you to take note. It was a fast that they made, okay? There are fasts and feasts that are commanded in the Word of God. Did you know that? There's Old Testament law that told the Jewish believer that there was times to fast and there was times to feast. There was times to pray and to mourn. But this fast, and this is important, was not directly given to them by the Word of God but yet it was given to them by their own necessity or their own desire to show contrition before God because of what had happened. Now, I want to say, being sorry and, 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 and feeling the loss of the destruction of Jerusalem is a good reason to call a fast, right? Absolutely. It's a good reason to say, hey... Something has gone wrong, and we need to get right with God. But I want you to notice that though, that first, that this is a instituted by them so that they could show that. I'm sure, and this is what I want to get to, and I'm also sure that it was full of meaning at first. I'm sure that it had it just was gripping their heart. As a matter of fact, I, I don't know about you, but This year as 9-11 came and went, I felt a little bit like, wow, there it came and there it went. You know, and I I know that even some of our young people already are young people who were either just born or coming about. But you and I both remember, if you're of my age or older, you remember that day. You remember feeling a knot in your stomach all day long. You remember all of those things. And it came and it went. 23, 23 years ago, right? Or 22 years ago, excuse me, was when it took place. And how, what did we say? Never forget, right? It was on everything. As a matter of fact, like, it's just weird. I saw that symbol on, uh, on a vehicle the other day and it was all peeling and fading, right? And it seems symbolic of the fact that it doesn't matter, it does not matter how much we market and how big a deal it is, we are human and we forget, don't we? We forget. God knows that and He's aware of that. God understands that. And I didn't want to get into all of that, but, but I want to put those things on there. And so I want you to, as we look at the practice of this fast that they're holding, I want you to remember just a couple of things from it. Number one, it was extra biblical. It was not set out in the Bible that this fast should be kept. Also, it is a religious exercise, okay? Religious exercises are important, but religious exercises, and this is tough for us to come to grasp with, they quickly can lose their meaning. Okay? We understand that, don't we? Now, I want you to evaluate, and and we're going to do this a little bit later as we look at it, because I want you to keep those things in your mind. Because I want you to remember that phrase, religious exercises. What religious, and I'm just going to go ahead and ask the question so you can try to work at making the application just a little bit. What religious exercises have become meaningless to us. Okay, what religious exercises? Now here's the other funny thing about people and about human nature. Once we become accustomed to a religious exercise and we might not even know the meaning behind it, we still don't want to stop doing it. Did you know that? We dig our heels in, and what's the famous Baptist phrase? That's the way we've always done it, right? Nobody even knows why we're doing it. Nobody's aware of what it has to do with anything. But yet here we find ourselves with a religious exercise that we seem to have lost the meaning of it, but yet no one is willing to give it up. So we're going to look at this and see how Zechariah answers them. See what he says to them. Should they give it up? Should they keep doing it? You're on the suspenseful to wonder what what are we talking about, right? But I want to make a little bit of application. Biblical religious exercises. Uh, Wait a minute, I messed that up. We want to first think about biblical exercises, biblical religious exercises, and we want to also understand what's not biblical, right? That's so important, right? that we have an understanding of which ones are Bible-based and which ones are not. They're going to, we need to exercise them according to God's timetable, right? If God has called for them, now think about this. There are religious exercises in the Old Testament that we don't adhere to anymore, right? Right, okay, you got that down. So just in case you have somebody that keeps telling you you need to keep the Old Testament, okay? God had a timetable for those religious exercises. Guess what? They lost their meaning to the Jewish people. I'm not sure they're going to have any meaning to you, okay? As much as you might want them to and you think that they're beautiful, they're probably not going to mean anything to you. So those we exercise on God's timetable. We don't have a whole lot of time to go into all of those things, but God has instituted religious exercises for us during this day and age. Amen? Amen. Okay. In the dispensation, I'm not crazy about that word, but it's still in the Bible. Amen? Some people have taken a lot of liberty with it. But in the dispensation that we live, he has instituted some religious exercises. And I'm going to be careful. I don't want to mention too many. But I want to say this about this one. I think it is unusually unique that if we are walking close to the Lord, that the religious institute of the Lord's Supper becomes sweeter and sweeter and does not lose its meaning if we are walking with the Lord. He has instituted it. He has brought it to us. And it is a precious time when we come and share the Lord's table together. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Anyway, I got to keep going. So we need to know what they are. We need to know which ones are biblical. We need to know which ones are not. And we need to know the timetables for each one. God sets the timetable of the biblical religious exercises. But let's see who sets the timetable for the extra biblical. Here we go. Verse number 4. Let's read this. This is Zach- or Zachariah's answer to them. Then the word of the Lord of hosts... Uh, then, the, then came the word of the Lord of hosts unto me, saying, Speak unto all the people of the land, and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those 70 years, that's where we, he helps us put it together, that what is he talking about here, this fast that they kept for 70 years. He said this, Did ye at all fast unto me, even to me? Did you, did you do that for me? Was that really something that you were keeping for me? Then notice this. And when ye did eat, and when ye did drink, did not ye eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Now, the wonderful thing about this is that we are not standing on one passage of Scripture alone. You can go back throughout the Old Testament and find many times that the Lord God Himself is going to speak through the prophet and make statements like this. Do I really want your sacrifices of bulls and goats? No, I want a broken and a contrite heart. No, I want you to understand what is going on. And here he is coming along with a very similar message. He's saying, listen, if you're going to fast... And it's not to me, and it doesn't matter, and you don't, and you've lost all the meaning of it, and it doesn't have anything or any weight to it. Then I really don't care much about your extra biblical fasts that you have put on things. Hmm. I don't, I'm not worried about those. He says, as a matter of fact, even the way that he puts it here is he says, when you were eating and when you were drinking, when you were going about your life on, the, on, on a daily routine, were you living for me then? No, you weren't. You were living for yourself. So don't somehow think that a religious exercise is somehow going to magically make you right with God when you won't live right the rest of the time towards me. That's what he's getting at. He's saying, don't think that you can do as you please, do as you want, and then come and just have these religious exercises and they somehow magically and somehow are going to persuade God or somehow God's going to owe you something because you kept these fasts. A lot of people have this idea that if I fast, God's got to answer this prayer for me. He does not. He is not obliged to you in any way like that. He is not. And we are not going to, I've heard our pastors say this many times you're not going to get God over a barrel somehow that he owes you something, right? It's not going to happen. Here we come along oftentimes living our lives for ourselves. That's literally how he's putting that. You ate for yourself. You drank for yourself. You lived your life as you moved along. And the pleasures of this world, you were willing to take them in and enjoy them completely for yourself. And now you're going to take a little bit of time off and act like that it's something great you're doing for God and it has meaning and it has purpose and it has depth it has nothing and on top of that Jesus is say, or God is saying right here I didn't even tell you to do this that's actually a pretty interesting one there that if we spent the time to dissect it and to say how how many of the things we're doing God has never even asked us to do to start with, right? How many of those even matter? But here he's looking at this very big point here. That you know what? I'm not worried about those. So, now listen. I want to be careful with this though. The men that started that fast with a contrite heart, I I honestly believe they were genuine and they were sincere. But at some point, it lost its sincerity. And I believe because it was a man-made fast, they had a liberty to stop it a long, long time ago. Anyway, I'll give that to you. There's some things that we do in the church that is not ordained by God. They might be good. They might have merit to them. And they might have meaning. And be filled with sincerity by the ones that start them, right? But if the other ones are just doing them out of religious exercise, if we're just doing it because that's the way that they've all done it, I believe we have the liberty to stop them. Amen. All right, let's keep going. So, number two was the fast and the sincerity. Number one was the fast and the practice. Number two was the fast and its sincerity. Number three is the fast and its conclusion. The fast and its conclusion. Notice this. Verse number seven. Should ye not hear the words which the Lord hath cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity and the cities thereof round about her when men inhabited the south and the plains? Zachariah says, maybe you wouldn't have had to call a fast at all if you'd have just listened to the word of God and the man of God. That's what he's saying right there. Pretty simple. He said, look, the only reason we're here to begin with is because when you were in prosperity and when you were full and when the land was doing very well, the prophets came and warned you that your heart was far from God, that destruction was coming, that Jerusalem was being destroyed, and you hardened your heart. That's what he's going to talk about here later. Your heart became as an adamant stone. You would not listen to God. Now, this I believe is so important to the dangers that fall when our religious practices, what were the, and I don't wanna to be too harsh on the Jewish people because I really believe that this paints over and over, it paints a picture of us as well. We are humans just like they were. We are prone to have the same pitfalls, to have the same meaningless exercises of religion without any value, without any weight, and we become quite come quite uh uh appeased to go along with our life while everything is going well for us and say guess what everything's good everything's right how could we not be living in the blessing of god when god is constantly warning us and giving us the warning signs that what i really want is your heart What I really want is you to love me with everything that you have. What I really want is for you to get up in the morning and desire me like you would your daily bread. What I want is for you, like the deer pants for the water, to be searching for the word of God and for the the love of God and to know it. I want this so much for you. But you go out, all you do is live for yourself. You've got a vain religion that has satisfied and appeased you. And if anyone challenges you on it, you've got your feet dug in. And you've said, this is where we're going to stand. We're doing it right. This is how they've always done it. This is what works. No care. Listen, no care when presented the Word of God even. No care when the Word of God is shown to us that these things aren't necessary. That we could look across the street or down the road at a neighbor or a member of another church and wag our heads as if they can't understand the gospel because they don't adhere to our extra Biblical, religious exercises. He says, we've got to be understanding. We've got to listen to the word. This is what's most important. Because you're man-made. Listen, they might serve a purpose for a time. But there's liberty to give those up if they're man-made. There's liberty to give them up the conclusion of it. You wouldn't even be here. You wouldn't have had to call that fast if you would have just listened to me before. That's where he comes down here and gives this understanding of them, of what was going on, why they were cast away, why all of that happened. So here we have something just for a moment as we go to this. We're going to summarize it real quick. Well, I can't, I, gotta, I, gotta, I can't leave it alone. Anyway, let's go to verse number 8. And the word of the Lord came unto Zachariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute j- true judgment, and show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. How many times, as we move through the prophets... Does the prophet come and tell God's people, listen, your heart is far away from God. You're not honoring God with your life. And then he points to this type of work, this type of work to bring them back on track. What type of work is it? It's a charitable work, right? True judgment. Show mercy and compassion, every man to his brother. Press not the widow nor the fatherless. Care for the widows. Care for the poor. Care for the orphans. Give to those that don't imagine evil against your brother. These acts of service, and I, I still can't get over this, are so close to the heart of God throughout all of eternity. Jesus Christ himself comes as the servant, does he not? I didn't come to to be served, but to serve you. He says this over and over, demonstrating the love of the Father for us, and He wants us to get in tune with His heart by going out and doing those things. And I'm going to go ahead and say it, and I'm going to go ahead and preach it tonight. But instead of going out and helping the poor, and instead of going out and helping our brother, and instead of doing those things, we would rather come in and sit through a couple services a week and say, hey, we're religious. We're religious. And we have nothing of the heart of God in us because we can walk right by that poor dirty Samaritan. Or excuse me, yeah, Samaritan who's down there dirty. We can walk right, he wasn't a Samaritan. It was the good Samaritan that picked him up. Walk by the man that's in the ditch. There you go. I'll get it right in a minute. Without even thinking about it. Or with a million excuses. Do do we realize how powerful? That is still, I think, one of the most powerful uh, stories Jesus ever told. I can't go down there and get him. I'm a Levite. I can't touch someone like that. What a saying, right? James, I think, approaches this all the way. If your religion doesn't help those, then what good is it? What good is it? So here again, we have a warning from the word of God. Live with mercy. Bring it every day. This is how we live. Don't live our lives so selfishly unto ourselves. Just enjoying the pleasures of life I want you to have a good life and enjoy what God gives you. But at the same time, remember where they came from and live them unto the Lord. Live every day. Whatever your hands find to do, do it as unto the Lord. Wherever you are, everything that you're doing. Religious formality. Now notice this. This is pretty amazing from our our things. A specifically man-made religious formality has a tendency to harden our hearts. I think that's something that we need to be aware of that we see over and over in Scripture that man-made religious formality has a tendency to harden our hearts. And then let's be in tune with God's Word and God's preaching so that we would be willing to change the things that are not needed anymore where we're at. That we could honestly say, you know what the truth is? They didn't need to ask the priests if they needed to stop this fast anymore. They didn't need to do that. That's why his answer was so almost in a way, I don't know, I want to be careful, but sarcastic to them. It was a tough answer, but it was one that they needed to hear. And I think it's one that we need. Religious formality, it it creeps in. It clouds our vision Of even the word of God sometimes. Let us be careful. Because I've preached plenty of messages. You know know I talk about it all the time. That there are still some things we should do religiously. You ought to read your Bible religiously. You ought to go to God in prayer religiously. But we also need to be asking ourselves continuously. Has it lost its meaning? Is it real to me? Do I crave the Lord? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Derek, you can just come, or Ruby, you can just come and play. We'll take a few moments. Just think about the Word of God and what it's put on our hearts. If you need to come, the altar is always open. You know that. But let's just let God's Word do a work in our heart. It might mean that you need to change something tomorrow might mean that you need to change something and you just need to put it on your heart, you need to change it today. Someone I'm going to come to the altar already. You know our altar's open. You know that you can do the work that you need to do with the Lord. And maybe you need to come and bring it so you can... The Word of God is powerful. It does a work I could never do. So let's take a moment. Let it sink in.
3: sunrise in the morning